This is Tending Seeds, a podcast about my adventures in homesteading and herbalism. I'm Sarah Schuster, and I'll be your host. Thanks for being here today. Hi, friends, and welcome to episode six of Tending Seeds. I hope you're doing well and either enjoying spring weather or can sense its approach. It's beautiful here today, but literally two mornings ago, we had ice on our car, so I'm not completely convinced that winter is totally gone yet. I spent last weekend at Lookout Mountain in Mentone, Alabama for the Mid-South Women's Herbal Conference. I had a great time, but before I dive into my experience there, I just wanted to take a minute to reflect on how much has changed for me. I realized that this time last year when I was at the conference, I was anxiously waiting to hear back on the appraisal for the house and land where we're living right now. I was super nervous that the appraisal value wouldn't match what we had offered to the sellers, because then we wouldn't have been able to get the mortgage approved. So I was frantically checking my email between classes, waiting for those numbers to come in, and I remember how excited I was when everything turned out all right. And the new friends I had made at the conference were excited for me too, which brings me to my next topic. I love the feeling of community at this conference. It's a new gathering, this year was only its second year, and so it's pretty regional so far in terms of attendees. It felt so great to pull into the parking lot this year and immediately start running into people I knew from last year already and get to just jump right back into some of our conversations and get updates on everything that they've been working on. I also ran into someone who I met last fall at a local herb class here in Nashville, but hadn't gotten to see since then. And so that was pretty great too. Community is so powerful, and it is such an affirming experience to spend a weekend surrounded by other plant nerds and hear about how we are all each walking on our own plant paths. Honestly, though, I actually almost didn't go to the conference because I've been feeling so overwhelmed by all of the work that needs to be done here on the farm. I'm really glad that I went, though. Thinking about how I'm feeling about traveling right now is a lesson I need to remember for next year. I even turned down some other trips this spring so that I am only going out of town a max of once a month, but even that is actually feeling pretty stressful. So next year, I might need to do even less. Or who knows? Maybe since next year won't be my first growing season here, I'll be feeling really good and have some great systems in place. I'll just have to wait and see. But I'm definitely filing away this feeling of overwhelm so I can consider it when planning out commitments and trips for next spring. Both years that I've attended, I've been so impressed by this conference. It's incredibly well organized. They send out information updates regularly by email, as well as an info packet sent by mail right before the event. And when you arrived, there were plenty of people stationed around to help guide you to where you needed to be. Check-in was super smooth and simple. The structure and schedule of the event is such that you feel like you are getting plenty of quality learning and activities in during the course of the weekend but you also don't feel rushed and you've got plenty of time between classes to go check out the vendors or go walk down by the river or walk around in the woods nearby. Another super great thing about the conference was the food this year. Um, I really can't stop raving about this. I am so used to having to either haul my own food to events or eat out more than my budget wants me to. So it was really amazing to be able to find options at every single meal that worked for me. I'm sure that's something most of you can relate to these days, Pretty much everyone I know is eating in a slightly different way, whether that's for health, allergen, or ethical reasons, or even just preferences to get away from the quote-unquote standard standard American diet. I know lots of us are trying out different things to find what works best for our own bodies, 
so I super appreciated not having to stress about food options while traveling. Though, of course, you guys know I always come prepared, you know, with some extra snacks, just in case. Anyway, another awesome thing the conference organizers had going was that they had partnered with a local composting company and used compostable dishware. And just like last year, they also asked everyone to bring their own refillable drink container. So that was great to see. And the organizers were already talking about additional steps they hope to incorporate at future events to keep reducing the footprint of the conference. So I wanted to speak quickly-ish about my top three classes from the conference. I hope to come back and revisit them in even more detail in future episodes, or possibly even with some interviews from some of these great teachers. I'm definitely going to be reaching out to some of them or doing more coursework or just further reading with them as well. Um, Everyone at the conference was so great, but these were my, my favorite three classes from the conference. The first class I did was actually a three-hour stone medicine intensive with Sarah Thomas. I took her class at last year's conference as well, and so I was beyond thrilled when I saw she was doing a longer intensive on Friday afternoon to kick off the weekend. Sarah has such an amazing story and presence. I feel like I could listen to her talk all day. She's the founder of the Upper Clarity School of Stone Medicine in Asheville, North Carolina, a school based on teachings that Sarah received through the oral tradition of Jeffrey Wynn, an 88th generation Taoist priest of the Jade Purity lineage. In her class, we were led through several guided stone meditations and even got to both give and receive a short stone medicine treatment with one of our classmates. On that note, if you're listening, hi, Nan. I feel like we're friends for life after going through that experience together. It was so powerful. So hi. Sarah also gave us several different uh, rituals that we could use to connect with the land we reside upon. And I'm really excited to begin working with them here. Listening to her speak about land healing was really inspiring. This was a three hour long class. And yet I find myself struggling to put it all into words and really tell you much about it because so much of it was happening internally for me during the meditations that we did. I'll just leave it at this. I have so much respect for Sarah's knowledge, and I would encourage you to learn from her if you ever get the opportunity. She offers online courses as well, and I'm really hoping I can find some time in the fall to study with her in some way, either online or in person over in Asheville. The more I interact with her, the more I want to learn from her. I also took another class with Phyllis Light. Last year at the conference, I took her intensive on women's reproductive health, and I learned so much from her. Phyllis runs the Appalachian Center for Natural Health in Alabama and is a fourth-generation healer and herbalist. She recently published the book Southern Folk Medicine, which I definitely recommend that you check out. Her class this year was called Healthy Digestion, Healing the Garden, and focused on how vitally important our digestive system is to our overall health. A huge amount of our immune system is in our small intestine, and we are finally beginning to understand that our gut biome is almost a second brain for our body. We actually have more serotonin receptors in the gut than in the brain. Phyllis started off by speaking about how many people are using medications for things like acid reflux, which would be having high stomach acid, but in actuality, many people also have low stomach acid instead. The symptoms of high and low stomach acid present in the same way though, yet over-the-counter products only focus on high stomach acid. So you could be taking medications such as Prilosec or Tums or whatever your go-to is, and you might actually be making things worse. She also pointed out that things like Prilosec are only meant to be taken for a six-week period, and the safety studies on them were only carried out for a period of six weeks, 
Yet many people end up taking them for years at a time, and we have no clue what the real consequences of that might actually be. We also discussed how reactive our guts are to stress. When we are in a parasympathetic state, our body recognizes this as time to, quote, rest and digest. In a sympathetic state, though, we are in a fight, flight, or freeze mode, meaning that our body is getting ready to do whatever is necessary to survive, either running away from a danger, engaging with and fighting off a threat, or freezing in order to remain unnoticed, which still comes with an elevated emotional and physical response. What Phyllis pointed out is something I think most of us are already aware of, that as our lives become more stressful and we have more constant inputs all the time, we are living a higher and higher percentage of our lives in that sympathetic state, the fight or flight mindset. And here's the important part of how that impacts our gut health. When we're in that state, our digestive system shuts down because the body doesn't view digesting food as a priority when you're getting too ready to run away from a threat. This could be part of why we're seeing more and more of us with digestive issues, right? That would just make a lot of sense to me. Phyllis also referenced a scientific study that I really want to find and read about in more depth that looked at what happens when people are eating while driving, which can definitely be a stressful activity, and hopefully we are all feeling alert while doing this. The study didn't ask people to change what they were eating, but broke the participants up into two groups. One group didn't change anything, they just continued to eat and drive as they normally did. The second group, though, continued eating as normal, but with the caveat that they couldn't eat while driving. So if they went through a drive through to get food, they had to pull over into the parking lot to eat. The study found that the participants who ate while driving gained a statistically significant amount of weight compared to the control group who ate similar foods, but while at rest. Like I said, I want to track down the study and read more about it, but I'm really interested in the idea that our stress state can have such an impact on our body's ability to process and digest our food. The important point from that study doesn't have anything to do with any sort of weight loss or weight gain, but the fact that through no change in diet, uh, eating the same foods, your body is obviously processing and dealing with those nutrients in a very different way based on whether you're in a sympathetic or parasympathetic state. I think that's super interesting and really worth exploring, especially as our lives become more and more stressful. I also really appreciated that she touched on how rushed most of us are when it comes to our meals. And also that this is at its worst for kids right now. Lunchtimes in schools are getting shorter and shorter, and so we're being taught at a really young age to choke down our food as quickly as possible. I think back to my years as a middle school teacher and how I stopped eating my lunch during my lunch break because we only had 20 minutes, and that never felt like enough time, so I would just wait until the end of the day to eat. Sometimes like during my planning period at the end of the day, or even more often in my car while I was driving to kickboxing class. You can't see my face right now, but trust me, I'm giving past me a big old frowny face and some side eye and wishing I could go back and tell myself just to slow down for a minute or two. Phyllis concluded the class by addressing a range of digestive issues, ranging from Crohn's to IBS to diverticulitis and potential ways to work with each of these issues from both a food and herbal level. I always leave her classes with pages of information that I want to follow up on and research more. So I will do that, and then hopefully we can do a future episode on digestive health. The last class I want to touch on is Rebecca Word's deep immunity class. 
Rebecca is a naturopathic doctor practicing in Black Mountain, North Carolina. She is also an instructor at the Center for Massage and Natural Health in Asheville, North Carolina, and is also trained in traditional Chinese medicine, or TCM. The focus of Rebecca's class was on moving past the idea that immunity is simply just resistance to sickness or illness. We have two types of immunity, innate immunity, which is what we were born with in the parts of our body that are designed to deal with invaders and pathogens. So those parts of our body would include things like our skin, mucus, and our stomach acid. Then we have acquired immunity, which is exposure-based. This is our body learning to identify and respond to outside pathogens. We can also call this surface immunity, which is a symptomatic response to exposure or infection. What we really want to be working on, though, is deep immunity. And what is that? All right. Deep immunity is all about vitality and resilience, one of my favorite words. Rebecca says this is something we should be trying to build up every single day. She also says that we should be thinking about things like circulation, oxygenation, and nutrition on a daily basis. She stresses paying attention to our psycho-spiritual health because our immune systems are extremely responsive to our emotional states. Rebecca is a strong advocate for radical self-care for all people, but especially her clients that are working with autoimmune issues. She also feels that having poor boundaries with others leads to depleted immunity. She stated, Your autonomy of self and boundaries give you a better ability to interact with the world without taking on everyone else's stuff. That just makes so much sense to me. Rebecca says that we need to be in right relationship with each other, with our microbes, and with our environment. Protecting our boundaries and not overgiving is necessary to keep us from being depleted. So what are some other things that can weaken our deeper immunity? Some of the contributors that Rebecca listed include effects from our childhood, disconnection from nature, emotional distress or trauma, poor sleep, lifestyle stressors, sedentary lifestyle, dehydration, blood sugar dysregulation, circulatory issues, toxin accumulation, poor nutrition, and gut dysfunction. Almost everything on this list sounds like topics you would cover with an herbalist, naturopath, or TCM practitioner during your first couple of sessions with them. Really digging in and looking at someone's entire life in terms of things like sleep, hydration, movement, nutrition, and stress. Rebecca said that when she works with clients, they try to address these potential immunity weakeners by starting with whichever ones are the easiest to resolve first. And that also makes a lot of sense to me. It's really hard to expect someone to completely overhaul their life all in one go. That's just not going to be a recipe for success. But if instead you can start with maybe trying to get more hydrated or just get a little more sleep, and then you can see if that will give you more energy to then build off of further, just kind of get that snowball started, you know? Rebecca says she utilizes herbs, flower essences, and stone essences with her clients and also encourages them to try meditation and to seek out body work and breath work when it would be beneficial. On a handout she gave us, I really loved a little section of it where she listed necessary ingredients for deep immunity. And these weren't things like getting nine hours of sleep per night or going and getting B12 injections. Instead, she listed items such as awareness, harmony, interdependence, self-examination, and respect for self, others, and nature. What I love is that in order for these things to be present, 
you know your deep immunity has been taken care of and cared for. So like having respect for yourself means you're going to have those good boundaries in place that she was talking about. Or awareness and self-examination means you have the space in your life to pull back and honestly take stock of how things are going and if you're on the right path or if you need to make some adjustments. The last part of Rebecca's class focused on herbal support to promote deep immunity. The herbs she spoke about were adaptogens, meaning they were herbs that can be used long-term and are considered non-toxic and normalizing. She went over a lot of herbs, far more than I can list off here today and go into detail on, but one universal favorite that stood out was Tulsi or holy basil. This can be a great calming herb to give a relaxed state of focus, especially when you're doing too many things at once. Tulsi is so aromatic and tastes lovely as a tea. It's easy to find, even in most supermarkets now, I've seen it. So if you're interested in beginning to work with adaptogens, this would be a great one to start with. Also, Tulsi is pretty simple to grow and even does well in container gardens, so you could give this a try. And there are several, actually lots of different varieties out there that you can try to grow. And they're all pretty simple to grow. I really feel like I got so much out of the classes I went to this year. That being said, my brain is full and I am good on conferences for a minute. I'm glad to be home, back to work here on the farm. I have a lot to do. (laughs) While I was gone, my awesome partner finished the insulation in the sunroom. So our next step is to get the flooring done in there. Once the flooring is finished and we put down the stones for the wood stove, we can get the wood stove installed properly. After that, it's just a matter of getting the beadboard up on the walls and then painting. I'm feeling really good about seeing progress on this and that we'll actually have this project finished soon. I am really looking forward to enjoying this space. Last episode, I mentioned that the lawnmower was arriving and I did the first big full mow last week. All I can say is, wow, I'm sure I won't feel this way when I'm sweating in July and August, but that thing is pretty fun at the moment at least. It was a big upfront investment, but compared to paying someone to mow for us, it will pay for itself before the end of the first year of using it. Plus, I'd always rather do the work myself whenever possible. Things in the garden are ramping up, and that is definitely where the bulk of my attention needs to be focused now for the next few months. My to-do list feels pretty overwhelming, but I'm just trying to focus on one thing at a time. Just as an aside, I have to say that being outside this much again is having a huge impact on my mood and sense of self. Lack of movement and sunshine over the winter, all those months of rain that we had, it was really dragging on me more than I realized, I think. I'm feeling so much happier, and if you follow me on Instagram, you may have noticed that I'm posting photos of myself a little bit more often, definitely more than I was the last few months. Nothing about me has physically changed, but energetically, I am just happier and so much more excited about life, and that has me wanting to show off everything great that is happening here, which I guess includes my face. So I hope you're feeling that too as we head fully into spring. A quote I have heard before and just ran across again today that stuck out to me as being pretty applicable, hopefully for all of our lives, was from Margaret Atwood. She writes, in the spring, at the end of the day, you should smell like dirt. I definitely feel like I'm living those words right now, and I'm absolutely loving it. I'm going to wrap it up here for today. As always, if you have any questions or comments or ideas for topics you'd like to see me cover, 
You can always get in touch with me by email, foxandelder at gmail.com or over on Instagram, foxandelder, all one word. I'll be back with new episodes on the first and third Wednesday of each month. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks to all of you that have already done so. I super appreciate you. All right, friends, you know the drill. Until next time, keep your hands dirty and your heart open.